0: Good afternoon and welcome to Enterprise Biz Bites. I'm Roshan Kennison, joined in the studio by... Frida Liu. It is, ladies and gentlemen, it's Friday, May 26th, and mm. it's um, five minutes past 12 p.m. And we've got an interesting conversation for you today. The question on our minds, um, the energy transition. Yes, super interesting Friday topic, <laughs> yes. you know, light and breezy. We're only going to be talking about a little <laughs> bit of existentialism. Um, so the energy transition, it's gaining steam across the globe, but... The question here is whether end consumers are ready or even convinced of the benefits.
1: So, yeah, last year investments in low carbon technologies topped 1.1 trillion US dollars with the war in Ukraine and resulting energy crisis acting as a catalyst to fast track spending. Uh, so, we've got uh, the, the team from uh, EY joining us in just a bit to talk about this.
0: Yeah, so the rapid injection of capital uh, that 1.1 trillion US dollars stimulated or catalyzed by the energy crisis last year over in Europe uh, is estimated to have shaved almost around 10 years of the energy transition timeline. Uh, But EY's new global consumer survey indicates that consumers may not be as confident in the energy transition as policymakers and activists might be. If you have any concerns, any thoughts or any questions about the energy transition, you can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Once again, that is our U-Mobile number 018-789-8899. So, to get a better understanding of the potential concerns and consumers may have with the energy transition and, more importantly, how Malaysia can avoid the so-called valley of disillusionment (laughs) faced by other countries further on in their respective energy transitions, we're speaking with Mark Benden, EY's Asia-Pacific Energy and Resources Customer Experience Transformation Leader. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me here. Uh, Mark, I think we can start with a little bit of the basics, right? So EY has developed the ECCI, which is an index to measure how confident consumers feel about their own energy situations, the energy markets and the future of the transition. Uh, But the thing is, not all surveys or indexes are created equal. So maybe give us a little bit of uh, intro into how representative this index is.
2: Yeah, sure. Very happy to. So as you say, EY has... um, Uh, Created this, uh, this research to look at the consumer and the energy transition and the reason for this is that EY exists to build a better working world and probably the energy transition is one of the defining issues and indeed opportunities that face all of us across society. And so when we look around we see that there's lots of research that's very valuable looking to the economics of the energy transition, the funding and indeed the technology. But the bit that we don't feel has been currently looked at in the right way or in enough detail is around how consumers feel about the energy transition. And as consumers, Mm. we're all paying for this Mm. one way or another, be it through energy tariffs, be it through taxes, levies, subsidies. We're also um, going to have to probably change some of our energy behaviours and how we think about and consume energy. So it's really important, we think, to get that, that understanding. And that's why we've undertaken this programme of research, which has taken two years. Yeah. We've spoken to or surveyed 70,000 people around the world, uh, energy consumers, across 18 territories and countries, including 4,000 consumers here in Malaysia. And we've spoken to consumers from um, East Malaysia, from the peninsula, across different age groups, social demographic backgrounds, genders. So this is an ongoing programme. But we think we're starting to get quite a good representative view of what Malaysians care about. What are the behaviours, the expectations they have around the energy transition? And what are some of their concerns as well? Uh, what are some of their hopes um, on the more positive side? So right. we think it's hopefully contributes to our understanding yeah. and puts the consumer back at the centre of the energy transition right. conversation.
1: You know, the index considers five factors. The stability mm. of energy providers' business, a value created by pro- uh, providers for consumers in the community, ability to access clean energy options, access to affordable energy and regulator or government support. So take us through these factors and, and then, you know, tell us about this.
2: Yes. So if I may, maybe if I start... Start by talking about why we measure confidence, Mm. because I think that's really Mm. important. So on the positive note, on my drive here today, I actually saw some EVs, electric vehicles (laughs) on the road. So I can start to see the energy transition is taking place. The question is, are consumers feeling the benefit of this? Mm. And we know from the study of marketing and economics that confident consumers uh, spend money and are willing to invest. And consumers who aren't confident do the opposite. Uh, coming back to the principle that we're going to need significant investment in order to uh, manage the transition both globally. I think you mentioned the 1.1 trillion last year was invested. The report by uh, IRENA, the International Renewables Agency, last year put the the cost or the investment required maybe for Malaysia to transition by 2050 at somewhere in the region of 400 billion US dollars. So, um, we know that we need confident consumers who want to support this transition over the long term. So when we look at that's why we that's why we measure confidence. That's why we think it's a really important ingredient in understanding and accelerating the energy transition. The, when we talk about energy consumer confidence, there are, as you rightly say, five building blocks from the research mm. that are really important to consumers. So the first one is around affordability of energy. Right. Not surprisingly, I mean, you could argue energy is almost a human right now. Yeah. Um, having access to uh, affordable, not say cheap, but affordable energy is really important to maintain consumer confidence. The second is fairness or uh, equity mm. in terms of These costs around the energy transition, how are they apportioned across consumers, residential, commercial, for example? Uh, Over what time are we apportioning these costs? So the longer the transition, the more we can spread those costs out. So the equity of the transition is really important uh, in terms of people's perceptions of fairness. The third is around access to energy Mm. products and services that allow the whole of society to partake in the um, energy transition. So do I feel that I've got access to the same sort of products and services as my neighbour, my friends, my family, etc. If the answer is yes, generally more confident. The answer is right. no, not so much. And then the other two areas, uh, just quickly, is around stability of the market. So do I believe that if I make a long-term investment in a new car, like an electric vehicle or in rooftop solar, that that investment, I can understand that the market's going to be stable enough, Mm. uh, that that investment will pay back as I expect. Um, And then the final one um, is around value. So uh, we'll probably cover this in a bit more detail, but the energy transition is quite complex from Mm a consumer point of view. And do I believe that my energy provider is helping me navigate this transition in a way that's creating value for me, making it easy. Can I go to someone for advice and help mm. and support? So as you rightly say, those are the five factors that make up energy confidence uh,
0: for my research. So maybe we can focus on Malaysia for a little bit and uh, could you provide some of the, an overview of the ECCI findings and highlighting the way uh, consumer, uh, Malaysian consumers feel about the energy transition? Yeah, absolutely. So.
2: There's probably three key findings from the research. Um, The first is that we are at a confidence crossroads from an energy transition point of view. We are at the peak of expectation from the Malaysian consumer perspective. And we'll probably talk about that in a bit more as to why that is the case and what that means. Mm. Um, But we are at a crossroads. The second is that actually, when we think about an energy consumer, we often have an outdated understanding of them. We think of them as just being passive, bill-paying customers. They get their bill once a month, they look at it, shrug their shoulders and pay it. That's not the Malaysian consumer at all. 60% are now actively engaged in uh, their energy consumption and actually care about it. Some care because they want to save money, Mm. some care because they want to save the planet, but 60% do care, which Hmm. is... Great and very encouraging. Mm. And there's some reasons why we've seen that transition. And again, we can talk about that in more detail if it's of, if it's of interest. And then th- the third point is that when you have engaged consumers, their expectations increase. Right. And they now expect more than just the basics from their energy provider. So they have higher expectations. And we are starting to see a gap between what consumers expect from the energy industry here in Malaysia and what they perceive they get. Mm. So those are the three findings. And yeah, we've got a confidence crossroads. Uh, the energy consumer is probably different to who we think they are.
0: Mm. Uh, and we want more than just the basics from our energy providers. Right. So the global uh, average for the Energy Consumer Confidence Index, or the ECCI, is 62.7, with Japan scoring the lowest at 51.2, showing that confidence is very low mm. or lower, mm-hmm. uh, while mainland China scored Uh, highest on the list at 77.6, followed by Malaysia at 70.6. Any insights, Mark, as to why Japan and all the European countries, except for Netherlands, are scoring below the average? Yeah, so maybe what what I could do is maybe explain the the index a
2: bit more Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll maybe try and address why some countries are in this uh, valley of disillusionment, as we are calling (laughs) it. So when a country announces that it's going to... uh, uh, start its energy transition, become net zero, carbon neutral. We reach what we call the peak of uh, expectation uh, from consumer's point of view. Uh, so that's where we are as Malaysia, uh, mainland China, Hong Kong, similar position. We're at the start of our uh, energy transition journey. And why not? I mean, who would not want access to cheap, green, clean energy? So that's the peak of expectation. And maybe it's the peak of uninformed expectation, okay. if I'm being honest. These journeys for energy transition are long term. As Malaysia, we're going to be doing this for 25 plus years. Mm. And when we look at Europe, they've been on that journey, many countries for 15, 20 years. So they are well on this, on this path to it. Right. And what we see across those five building blocks that we talked about earlier is that consumers start to realise there are trade-offs, um, that it's, uh, it is complex. Um, maybe affordability isn't what they expected. They don't necessarily feel that it's been the cost being fairly spread across society, uh, etc. And so st- what we start to see is that confidence starts to fall right. because the promises maybe that mm. were expected at the start are not yet materialising. And as you rightly say, there's quite a lot of countries in Europe that are facing that challenge right now. Mm. But it's not all doom and gloom because actually there is the slope of hope at the <laughs> other <laughs> end. <laughs> Where out of the valley. Out of the valley. Out of the valley of disillusionment. The slope of hope. And what we're seeing is that the countries that are most furthest along the energy transition, particularly the Nordic countries, right. Norway, Sweden, actually now consumers can start to see these benefits mm. of the transition. They're starting to see that abundance of clean, green energy. That's now uh, meaning that they can, if they change their behaviours, they can access very affordable energy. Mm. They're starting to see it in their cities. They are... Uh, they're less polluted. They're cleaner. It's a nicer living environment, and so we start to see confidence restore itself. But you have to get through that um, energy transition journey. Right. The interesting thing, final point, is that we are yet to see a country where, at the end of the transition, the customer expectation has restored itself to where it was at the start of the journey. That's not to say that you can't get there, but we're just yet to see uh, that confidence get to that level again.
1: All right. So my next question, I I guess you sort of alluded to it, you know, the the reasons behind the consumer confidence of top scores in the list. So these are the people, as you were saying, in the Nordic countries, kind of happy. Anything else to add uh, from that point?
2: So, I mean, I think there is, um, uh, I think each country, their energy system is slightly different. Mm. And... I think what sort of impacts uh, consumer confidence is, or or those five factors, those five building blocks, Mm -hmm. is where's the country starting from? So I think uh, you mentioned France, for example, but France has a very different starting position for the energy transition than the UK, for example. So um, uh, without getting into the technicalities of it too much, France has a large nuclear generation fleet. It's Mm -hmm. low carbon. So it's already got a starting point ahead of many countries in Europe. It also matters as to uh, where the grid is in right. terms of um, it's the investment in the grid that's still required um, going forward and the level of investment. So when we transition to clean green energy, typically the energy network looks different than it does uh, in the old world of fossil fuels. Right. So the grid investment that's required uh, on that journey. Uh, other factors also are around how much future demand we're expecting mm-hmm. from the energy industry. So how much more capacity do we need to build in order to support that demand? Um, and uh, the final thing is, is the speed at which we're trying to do the transition. So how quickly are we are trying to get there? So that sort of explains... Those sort of four factors help explain why we can have very different outcomes country right. by country in Europe. I mean, uh, their sort of their starting point is different, the level of investment requires different, their right. demand profile looks different, um, and
0: so that sort of helps explains why you've got different levels of cu- customer confidence in right. those countries. Today on Biz we've been. Excuse me. Today on BizBytes, we've been exploring the consumer concerns around the energy transition with Mark Bennett from EY. Tell us what you think over on WhatsApp at 018-789-8899, or you can tweet us at BFM Radio. I'm Russian Kinnison with Frida Liu, and here's Ash with a life less ordinary here on BFM eighty nine point nine. Build fairer Malaysia. BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. Welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bytes here with Roshan and Frida. If you've just joined us, according to data cited by EY, last year investment in low-carbon technologies topped 1.1% trillion US dollars, possibly shaving up to 10 years off the energy transition timeline. But EY's new global consumer survey indicates that consumers may not be as confident in the energy transition as some people may want to be. Now, today on This Vice, we're exploring the apparent concerns consumers may have around the transition with Mark Bennett, EY Asia Pacific Energy and Resources Customer Experience Transformation Leader. Uh, Mark, we were talking earlier about the survey the factors involved and a little bit about how, how why the consumer sentiment differs right i'm curious to know whether there's a correl- correlation in the scoring between confidence and income levels did you guys take a look at that yes we did actually and um the in- the findings are quite
2: interesting we ha- see a correlation between confidence income and also age group as well mm. so from an income point of view those that are on higher incomes um, in most of the countries within the survey actually feel more confident about yeah. the energy transition. And it's probably not surprising because if you think about the products and services that are most commonly associated with energy transition, they're nice electric vehicles, mm. rooftop <laughs> solar, etc. These tend to be relatively big ticket items and are available to a certain segment of society, but not necessarily everyone. Those on lower income groups um, actually feel that they risk being left behind right. um, because they don't know how to contribute mm. to the energy transition. Now, there are ways and we are seeing some good progress. Um, there's an example here in Malaysia around, for example, helping people with smart meters um, budget their energy spend each month and keep within that budget. So there are ways in which we can create products and services that are uh, do have mass appeal mm. and therefore can help people on a range of incomes to um, uh to participate in the energy transition. But from the survey data right now, you're right. Those on higher incomes tend to feel more confident. Those on lower incomes feel less confident. And conversely, age group, Mm. um, which is quite interesting, um, that younger generation tend to feel more confident. And um, boomers or the older generation, (laughs) I'm not quite a boomer yet, but uh, uh, tend to feel less confident. And again, I can sort of rationalise that because if I'm younger, if I'm in my 20s, then... I've got to feel comfortable about the energy transition, right? Right. I've got no other choice. (laughs) Uh, I've got to to believe that we can get there and that we can keep within the 1.5 degrees from the uh, Paris Climate Accord. So I've got to believe it because I've got another 60, 70 years on this planet. If I'm maybe 60, (laughs) 70, I probably quite like the status quo to some extent. So what's quite interesting is that income and age piece because higher incomes are not necessarily associated with younger consumers. So we're seeing quite a, a stark interest that if you're young you really are confident about energy transition. You probably have to be, right. and if you're wealthy or have a higher income anyway, it, then you tend to also be quite confident about it. This
1: is a, the slide of hope, was it? It's the, the, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so, something like that, yes. So, yeah. Now, one particularly interesting insight from the index was that in markets where the energy transition is more advanced, consum- consumer confidence tends to be low. Many people disappointed in the energy experience. So, so what can you tell us about the reason behind this? Are these are the boomers again? Yes. Uh,
2: so we sort of come back to those five um, uh, five building blocks again. Mm. I mean, that is what we use to measure confidence. So right. if we are getting countries that are well, um, uh, well progressed with the energy transition, if consumers are not feeling as confident in those countries, it's because those five building blocks, uh, they don't feel are working for them in the right way. Mm. So if I take um, uh, the UK, my, my home country, uh, from where I'm from, Uh, One of the big challenges around uh, uh, customer confidence has been not only the affordability of energy. Uh, Some people have seen their bills go up five, six times in the last year, Mm. which is pretty phenomenal because people's incomes haven't gone up five or six times. (laughs) So they've really started to feel it. And that's not all down to energy transition. That's partly, as you said in the introduction, down to some of the challenges in Europe and Mm. Ukraine, et cetera. Um, but also the stability of the energy market necessarily. They haven't felt that. So because of that price exposure, that price volatility, uh, energy companies in the UK uh, haven't always been as well hedged from the price volatility on the wholesale market. And that's meant that quite a lot of energy companies have gone bankrupt, right. about 20 or 30, mainly the smaller ones. Right. But if you're a consumer of an energy company, And you wake up on a Monday and your your company no longer exists. It doesn't really help you build confidence. So there are some quite unique reasons why... um, Uh, why uh, we are seeing that that value of disillusionment to maybe the extreme that we are Mm. uh, but I can sort of rationalise it uh, country by country Um, and Mm. the the, the other building blocks are also true are the costs really being fairly attributed across society Mm. Uh, do I feel that my energy companies help me navigate the complexity maybe maybe Mm. not etc
0: so I think that's that sort of explains it. Right. So some other countries in the so-called Valley of Disillusionment, aside the UK, look like Ireland, Belgium, Spain as well. Right. Um, now, there are, but there are countries that seem to have are more advanced in their mm. stage of the energy transition, but have also looked like they're avoiding the valley. Um, these are countries like Netherlands and France, quite ahead in their journey, but conference looks to have held up relatively well. Um, how have France and the Netherlands uh, managed this?
2: Yeah, so I think um, we, we spoke about a bit earlier mm. that if I take France, for example, the starting point is very different. They've got a, a large nuclear generation uh, fleet. So uh, they haven't necessarily the same level of price volatility, haven't had the same challenge on affordability, they've had a bit more stability. Mm-hmm. So I think um, each country's starting point is different. What they right. need to do in terms of building more renewable capacity is different, strengthening the grid is different, and the timeframe with which, with which they're trying to do the transition might also differ. So I think that helps explain those factors and how they therefore impact on the five building blocks that drives uh, confidence.
1: Right. Yeah, we talk about Sweden, right, and they're they're well ahead in their energy transition and uh, in terms of consumer confidence, and they've allowed to basically avoid the valley of disillusionment. How did they do that?
2: Well, that is the sixty four thousand dollars question, isn't it? Let's be honest. So, um, I. As I sort of shared at our research has been over two years. Unfortunately, I wish it had been over 20 years yes. because I could probably answer that question a lot more, with a lot right. more conviction, a lot more confidence. Right. What I would imagine is that actually their consumers have been through that valley. Right. And now they're coming out the other side. Um, the, the Nordics in general, rather than yeah. talking about one Pacific country, tend to be further through mm. the energy transition. So... For example, right now, uh, if you live in Norway, uh, you would feel very comfortable buying an electric vehicle because mm. about 70% of cars sold in Norway each year are electric vehicles. It is now the norm. Right. So... Um, So as you start to come through that um, uh, energy transition, your behaviours start to change. You start to see some of the benefits of it. So um, we start to see uh, more affordable energy. Uh, You start to see uh, less pollution, etc. So I think they went through it. Mm. Uh, I think they're coming out the other side. Mm. Um, And I think it's also giving us uh, some hope for the countries uh, that actually there is light at the end of that tunnel. And we just need to probably accelerate through. But we need to do so in a way that we really take the consumer with us because... We need the consumer support mm. uh, and confidence in this because, come back to, consumers are paying for this right. one
0: way or another. Today on BizBytes, we've been exploring the concerns consumers have around the energy transition with Mark Bennett from EY. Tell us what you think over on WhatsApp at 018-789-8899 or tweet us over at BFM Radio. In a few minutes, we're going to be asking the big question, what can Malaysia and policymakers learn from all that we've discussed? Uh, We'll be back in a few minutes. I'm Roshan Karnasen with Frida Liu. And here's Karen Oh and Danger Mouse with Turn the Light. Turn the light. Yes, that is correct. Here on BFM 89.9. Blues, Folk, Metal. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bytes. I'm Roshan Karnasin here in the studio with Frida Liu. If you've just joined us last year, we saw 1.1 trillion US dollars invested in low carbon technologies, possibly shaving up to 10 years off the energy transition timeline. But a, a new global survey from EY indicates that consumers may not be as confident in the energy transition as policymakers and some activists might be. Today on BizBites, we're exploring the apparent consumer concerns around the energy transition here with Mark Bennett, EY Asia-Pacific Energy and Resources Customer Experience Transformation Leader. Um, Mark Change is never easy and the energy transition requires changes to things like consumers' lifestyles, homes, maybe even vehicles. Uh, Malaysia is still relatively early in the energy transition. And the next stop um, <laughs> seems to be the value of disillusionment based on the chart I saw a little earlier. Um, what can the country policymakers and regulators learn from all that we've discussed so far and the insights from the report uh, to better inform our energy transition journey and avoid the valley?
2: Right, let's hope we do no avoid pressure. the valley. Yes. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling this is a big question to, uh, to try and answer. So you're absolutely right that at the moment, uh, as Malaysian consumers, when we look at energy transition, we are at the peak of expectation. And that's because we have just started the, uh, the journey. Um, we know that we're going to need to maintain consumer confidence through this energy transition. This is a this is a marathon, not a sprint. This is a 25, 30-year journey we need to go on uh, as a country and um, as a population. Um, and we need consumers to be confident because, one, we need consumers to want, to want to fund this energy transition. So they've got to support it. We're ultimately paying for this, whether it's through... Uh, tariffs, taxes, mm. subsidies etc. And as you rightly say we also need people to change their behaviours, mm. uh, consumer how they think about and use uh, and, uh, energy. And the International Panel on Climate Change actually said that they thought that 40 to 70 percent of uh, emission reduction was actually going to be driven by consumer behaviour change. So we right. need confident, engaged, supportive consumers to go on this uh, journey with us. Um, one of the things that I think is probably worth saying is that if we're going to expect people one way or another Mm -hmm. to pay more it's probably reasonable that they're going to expect more so um, already at the moment we are seeing that there is a gap in expectation between what consumers expect from the energy industry here in Malaysia and what they perceive they get. And I think one of the important things, coming back to those five building blocks around does my energy provider create value for me, is to close that gap. Because if that gap starts to widen, if mm-hmm. the expectation gap between a energy transition, what people think it's going to be, what it means for them, and what the reality looks like increases, then consumer confidence is likely to to wane. So I think having a real focus on those five building blocks putting the, the, the heart of what we do as an energy industry that includes energy companies uh, policymakers, regulators is really really important if you want to avoid that valley of disillusionment right. the benefit we have so uh, yeah. is that we do now almost have the benefit of hindsight looking at right. other countries right so we can choose to do things differently and i think that's i think that's the maybe the the, the silver, silver lining. lining. Yeah, <laughs> silver line, exactly, yes.
0: Hopeful <laughs> silver The Hopeful, Hopeful silver, silver lining. lining. The as benefit as well,
1: yes. of hindsight. Do we ever learn? <laughs> now, aside from policymakers and regulators, what can energy companies in Malaysia do to address potential uh, consumer concerns?
2: Yeah, so I think, um, as I alluded to when we, we started the interview, um, the preconception we have as to who is the energy consumer is very different to the reality. So we think of consumers uh, as sort of passive, rate-paying, disengaged people. You get your bill once a month, you look at it, you probably shrug your shoulders. You pay it, or maybe you complain because you don't, for whatever reason. But that's that's kind of how we think of the energy consumer, just very passive. That's not the energy consumer we see here in Malaysia today. Sixty percent, or very close to six percent, are engaged consumers, and there's two reasons for that. Not just here in Malaysia, but also around the world. The first reason is that um, we started to roll out smart metering. Mm. And that allows consumers to get better understanding of their consumption and their energy behaviours. And if you've got information, if you've got insight, if you've got data, you can choose to make different decisions as a consumer. That's the positive reason. The, for a better phrase, the negative reason Mm. was that... um, most of us spent two years locked up in our houses quite recently (laughs) uh, due to, unfortunately, the pandemic. And when we were at home, uh, working from home, schooling from home, doing everything from home, we started to use a lot more uh, energy. Mm. Mm -hmm. And people became more aware of their energy behaviours. And those that had smart meters and were working from home, 83% of Malaysians, that that those two Mm -hmm. um, criteria, said that they checked their energy consumption at least once a week, And they actually took a positive action to change their behaviour, which is phenomenal. So we've got a very different type of energy consumer here in Malaysia than maybe we would typically think of. These are people that want to make a difference and uh, want to be more engaged in their energy consumption. And it might be because I want to save money. And it might be because I want to save the planet. But right. either way, they are engaged in their, this energy transition journey.
1: Thanks to the pandemic, everyone's a little bit more aware. Yeah, but yeah. also
0: it's data, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I used to love this. I No, I'm not used to. I still love this quote. Uh, apparently, it's from Peter Drucker. Mm-hmm. I'm not, not really what, actually what, sure. What gets measured. Yes, what gets measured gets managed. Yes. Um, but looking ahead here, Mark, as we wrap up this conversation, um, what trends do you see in consumer sentiment and energy preferences as ma- in Malaysia as Malaysia moves further in this phase? Yeah. So
2: through the research, um, what Malaysian consumers want is four things, and they're really clear about this. It's, in some ways, it's beautifully simple. Help me save money, mm-hmm. the planet, <laughs> and time by giving me more control. Okay. So any energy transition products or services that can fulfil those four criteria Malaysians are um, absolutely open to exploring. That's their kind of key criteria. Maybe what's the the flip side of it is what's stopping that? Well, there's three things. Um, It's actually that Malaysians find, and consumers in general, actually find Mm. energy transition very complex. You've almost got to learn a new vocabulary, right? Uh, net zero, carbon mm-hmm. neutrality, whatever it is. <laughs> and a new management a measurement system as well, because we're used to buying litres of petrol, litres of water, litres right. of milk. We now got to basically buy kilowatts or megawatts. I don't know mm-hmm. how big that is. How many kilowatts do I need to travel from you know, KL to Penang? It's a, it's a whole new space. Uh, it's not very accessible. I don't know what's, what's relevant to me, what products mm-hmm. and services would help me. And I don't know how affordable this is and what the benefits are going to be for me to go on okay. this energy transition. So that's what they want uh, and that's indeed the three things that are stopping um, uh, people from engaging more in this energy transition.
1: Right. Uh, I guess a uh, final question moving forward, you know, like Sorawa is looking towards the hydrogen energy. Do you have any insights into what kinds of energy sources uh, countries should be looking uh, towards uh, for reliable energy?
2: Yeah, I think I think that's a really great question. I think um, we're seeing a lot of countries uh, experiment with different uh, right. technologies uh, different technologies work in different contexts um, uh, so probably the answer is you need a mix of generation right. capacity uh, it could be um, solar it could be wind it could be hydrogen hydrogen is almost like a form of storage so mm. i can create it when uh, from solar when it's uh, sunny store it and then use it uh, when i need it from a consumer point of view Consumers don't really care too much about the technology right. itself. So it comes back to what do they want? They want technologies that help them save money, many time, <laughs> effort by giving them more control. If it fulfills that criteria, All then right. consumers tend to be very
0: open to it. Okay. On that note, Mark, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being here. That was Mark Bennett, EY Asia Pacific Energy and Resources Customer Experience Transformation Leader. If you missed any part of this conversation, you definitely want to catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. It should be available in one to two hours. You can also look up our shows on all major uh, podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts and others. Just look up. Enterprise BizBites. After the one PM news bulletin, we've got the breakfast grill replay. Now, last month, Japanese conglomerate Mitsui announced that it was taking a 23% stake in Ace-listed IT and cybersecurity firm LGMS to broaden its footprint in the region. On the backdrop of a positive uh, financial year 2022 result, uh, how will this partnership accelerate LGMS's growth? Plans. CEO uh, Fong Chuk Fok takes the hot seat on the breakfast grill to give us his take on this latest development, future plans, and the cybersecurity landscape in Malaysia. Cash that composition after the 1 p.m. news bulletin. I'm Roshi Kennison here in the studio with Frida Liu, and this has been Enterprise BizBytes taking you up to the 1 p.m. news bulletin. A uh, very apt uh, song for today. Pat Benatar with All Fired <laughs> Up on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.